Hello and welcome. I'm Shannon Shotler, your host, and this is The Messy, Mucky Middle, a podcast dedicated to talking with real people about the most real parts of their life and career transition stories. Today, our guest is Sean. Sean is a 47-year-old husband, father, and stepfather to three boys aged 17, 15, and 13, and his boys were the inspiration to address his own mental health issues and to eventually seek a bigger career change. He is passionate about mental health and removing the stigmas around seeking help to address mental health challenges. And today, we get to talk with Sean about his time spent navigating that messy middle from the seasoned executive supply chain leader of teams 150 plus people to a social work student as he works toward becoming a psychotherapist and a coach. So this is Sean's messy middle story. Sean, thank you so much for saying yes to this. Yeah, no, thank you for asking me. Yeah. So Sean, I often sense that transitions like like yours begin at an ending. And I'm curious for you to share with us, what did you sense was ending in your life when the story begins? Um, that's a really good question. I think, you know, what was ending was an attachment to a whole bunch of ideas that kind of took decades to develop. And I think a lot of those ideas were um, not really my own. They weren't, they didn't come from me, but more so just kind of what I saw in the world. And, um, you know, I had this, this idea that I would work through this career and in supply chain and that I'd just pursue, you know, greater responsibility, um, learning new things, making more money. Um, and, uh, that, you know, during that, that career, I would save money like crazy and then retire it. And, you know, if I was really lucky, retire at 55 and be done. <laughs> and, um, you know, part of that was also, you know, growing up, um, growing up in a family that had our basic needs met, but I also remembered what it was like to not have health insurance mm-hmm. and to not have a lot of financial resources. So, you know, going to college and then eventually to business school and pursuing my career was, in part a response to those experiences and and wanting to not experience them myself ever again and and to also ensure that you know my family my wife my boys you know didn't have you know the negative aspects of my experience growing up of not having um you know things like healthcare yeah yeah so letting go, it sounds like, of all of those stories or identities that have been built up with you, yeah. within you, over the course of like really your whole entire life to say, well, this is what it has to look like. This is how I'm supposed to provide. Yeah. Well, and, and that I think, too, like my identity was, you know, what I, what I did. And, and that wasn't true my whole career, but my identity was certainly wrapped up in what my title was, like the nature of the work that I did. Um, you know, and certainly like ego and like the hope that, you know, people would see me as like smart or successful, um, you know, based upon, you know, whatever, where I lived, what I, what kind of car I drove, what, what title I had at work, um, you know, kind of the, you know, there's some stereotypes around, 
you know, male ar- archetypes in terms of like the primacy of work and that, you know, kind of like, you know, when you meet someone and you're like, Hey, you know, how are you? Nice to meet you. What's your job? You know, it's like, yeah, it's the first question. It's the first question. And I don't ask that question anymore because it, it, it doesn't really get at the heart of who people are and, you know, can derail connecting with a person and in, yeah. in, in, in a sincere way. Yeah. Was there like a linchpin moment or a turning point moment for you where you were like, I'm done, I'm out? Well, <laughs> I think, um, so my supply chain career ended three years ago. And um, I think uh, my career actually started to end 10 years prior to that. Oh, um, wow. I think, you know, there there were signs of like, you know, this is not, this is not what I want to do. And, and even just the idea of like, well, I'm going to work really hard and then retire from all this in 50, at 55 and get away from it. Um, but I, I think it was kind of a slow realization. And over the course of that last 10 years of my career, I worked for three different really large organizations. And um, my last role was running a distribution center for a retailer. And um, in June of 2019, um, I learned that my job was being eliminated and I had, um, you know, a few weeks to either find a different role within the organization or take a severance and depart the organization. And I, I knew the moment that I got that news that I was receiving a gift. And mm. I knew the moment I learned that information that I would be departing the organization. Like, and, um, you know, the two individuals who delivered this news to me, you know, good people who I, you know, I respect and appreciate. And at one point they asked me during that conversation where they were telling me my job is going away. They're like, Sean, are you okay? And um, in my head, I, I, I thought to myself, would it be completely inappropriate to do cartwheels out of my office? <laughs> <laughs> and and I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking in my head. Um, and, you know, I, I think, I don't know, the, the universe, like the world, like supports who we are and the work that we're here to do in ways that are really, I don't know, kind of elusive and difficult to understand. Mm. But uh, even the night before I got that news, I was at my really close friend Jamie's house having a beer. And just telling them, I'm like, oh, I'm just all, I don't know what's going on at work, but I feel really just like my heart hurts. Like it's, I have this, 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 um, I don't know, just like tension in my body. And I don't know what's happening, but my body knew what was happening. I mean, this, you know, certainly even my boss who he knew that my job was going away for much longer than I did. And there was a part of me that sensed that knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the universe way of showing up and being like, yeah, this chapter's over. And I mean, it took me a long time to figure out what was next, but um, I, I knew, I knew right away that I was receiving a gift. And yeah. I remember jumping on a call with all my peers the day after that news. And, and I was, I just articulated, I'm like, I'm good. There's a plan greater than I, I don't know what it is. And um, I'm excited about the future. And yeah. some of my peers are like, are, are you making that shit up? Like, are you for real? Like, do you really feel that way? Or are you just, you know, trying to put up a good front? And like, 
was pretty close friends with some of my peers. So I was like, no, I, I, I sincerely feel that way. Like, and um, so it was really, it was really kind of surreal. And, you know, having been in corporate America for a long, long time, you know, I, I saw reorgs and like reductions in force and layoffs. And I had never been impacted by one up until that point, which was just sheer luck. Yeah. Um, and so the other part of it, I, I guess, was that it wasn't surprising that I, I, after, you know, 20 plus years was impacted by um, something like that. So, yeah, no, it was, it was a sign and I knew it was a sign the moment it happened. Yeah. Cartwheels out of the office. I love that. (laughs) So, and you mentioned it a little bit, but you said it took me a little bit to figure out what comes next. So I'm curious for us to kind of talk about that a little bit. So restoration and reflection are two themes that I hear a lot in, Mm -hmm. in people who are moving through periods like that, trying to figure out what comes next. What role did, let's, let's touch on reflection first. What role did reflection play in helping you figure out what um, was next? It, it played a huge role in, in, you know, deciding to pursue a health or, you know, a healthcare career, a, a career as a, as a psychotherapist. Um, I, I first sought uh, the support of a therapist in 2009 um, when I was struggling with depression and anxiety. And um you know, I, and I, I've seen the same therapists since 2009 and I see him every week. I still do. And probably, you know, I, it's just his role in my life has been instrumental in that, like in the first couple of years, I would say he saved my life. Um, I don't think I would have, I'd be here without the, the help I received. And then after that, he just enhanced and improved my life in a way that was so deeply meaningful to me that I didn't really have words for it. I still don't. But eventually I concluded, like, I want to help other people the way I've been helped, bearing in mind that everyone's like path to getting help and, you know, our, our paths are as, as unique as we are as individuals. Um, but, but that was, that was certainly a part of it was reflecting on my own mental health journey. And, you know, I first sought help. Um, I, I kept the fact that I had a therapist and I was on antidepressants of a, a secret and I didn't want anyone to know. And, you know, by the time I had arrived at my last job, um, you know, I, I led a team of, you know, 150 warehouse workers and, and I would stand up in front of that group and talk about my own personal mental health journey and, you know, kind of normalize, you know, the, the fact that many people struggle and, it's not just okay to ask for help, but like it's a sign of strength to ask for help. And um, so all of those things kind of played a role in kind of how I landed on what's next. Yeah. And I'm not sure if this was a part of your journey. I'm curious because we haven't talked about this before, Sean, but did you need to take any time to like rest or just restore yourself a little bit? Was there any part of you that was feeling a little burnt out? Yeah, no. Um, I, I, I would say in a way I rested for two years Mm. Um, and um, it it was up until earlier this year that I recognized that or could even say it out loud. Yeah. Um, You know, cause I was definitely on a, uh, on a treadmill on a, you know, I I was, I was running at a rate that I, I didn't, I didn't recognize during my career what, what energy it took to do things that weren't 
aligned with who I am. Oh, I feel that in my body. Just hearing you say that, that resonates for yeah. me deeply. Yeah. And I, and I think I'm still learning about what that was and what it meant. Um, and yeah, I, 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 you know, and even, I don't know, there was points in, in time during that rest period, like my wife would, at me and would be like, would you just get a job? <laughs> would you, and, and, and I was like, I understand why you're saying that, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Um, and I don't know. If anyone would have told me a couple of years ago, like, you're going to lose your job and, and you're going to not have a regular job and you're going to go back to school and three years into it, you're not going to have an official job. I'd been like, you're crazy. Like, <laughs> no way. You know, like. I saved for my retirement. You know, I started my 401k in 1997, a long time ago. And I was like, I'll never touch a penny of that. But guess what? Like I've utilized a portion of my retirement to fund this period of my time. And I have no regrets about it. Yeah. And and yet the moment I say I have no regrets about it, I, I feel a little bit like a liar because there are some times where I'm like, what in the hell am I doing? Is it okay? Am I going to be okay? Like most of the time I'm good with it, but sometimes I'm like, and maybe this is really irresponsible. Right. And, um, but the vast majority of the time I know that it is an investment in what's next. And I don't, I, you know, I used to have a plan of retiring at 55, like this new career. I don't see myself retiring. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I'm probably not going to work 40 hours a week at the age of 70, but I can easily see working 20 or 25, like doing what I love to do. Um, and I assume too, that what I love to do is going to evolve between now and then. But at the moment I envision that as, as helping people and helping the people that I think I can have the most impact on. Yeah. I'm so grateful for what you just shared around like the, the feeling of like, most of the time I think I'm cool, but sometimes I think maybe I was crazy to do this because I, I think again, like that's normal. So I really appreciate you sharing the human side of this experience of like, we're going to have doubts sometimes when we're moving through the mass. Yes. And I appreciated what you shared of like how you realistically funded it. Cause I think that's another question or conversation that people have of like, Oh, but how, how could he possibly not work for two years? Well, he took a risk and he borrowed from his retirement. And that's that's a thing that people yeah. do to make yeah. it possible for them to make larger moves like you're making. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't borrow from my retirement. I took from it. Yeah. <laughs> <pull> back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just used yeah, it. At some point, but it's, you know, and, and that was a really hard thing to decide to do. It really yeah. was. Yeah. So. I was deviating a little bit, but a little bit I want to get curious about your choice to go back to school. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that moment or, or that decision point. Um, well, I had, I had, I knew that I wanted to be a therapist mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there's a, a few different avenues. There's marriage and family therapy. There's, you know, kind of a, a psychology path, a psychologist path. Um, and there's a social work path. And um, I chose the social work path because of, you know, how it kind of incorporates like person and environment and, you know, our background, our culture, our community and the impact that that has on 
you know, how we end up in a place where we need help and how, and, and, and just as importantly, how we get out. And, um, I don't even know how, but I, I stumbled upon the program at Winona state. Um, I had my undergrad, I went to St. Cloud and for my business degree, I went to Minnesota. So obviously familiar with, with Winona, it was an online, like async, um, curriculum. And, uh, what does async mean? That, that means that I don't have, there's no scheduled classes. Everything's online and virtual. Got it. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, whereas like some online, uh, courses you have to, have to like attend a zoom call at 11 o'clock on Thursdays, for example. Sure. Sure. And, um, so yeah. And then I went through the process of applying and got accepted <laughs> and, and I learned I had to take two, two courses to like officially start the program, a biology course and an anthropology course or like a anthropology slash diversity course. And uh, one of the courses I had to take because I got a D in anthropology in 1994. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was, it was uh, the director of the program at Winona at the time, his name is Arlen and you know, we're having this conversation I'm like, Arlen, I never, I, I, I never dreamed that, you know, this far removed from, you know, being a freshman in college, I'd be talking about a grade I received in 94. And, and well, I took, I took those two prerequisites in the summer of, well, last year, the summer of 21 and started the master's in social work program at Winona last fall. And how did you feel at that point of the process? Um, you know, I was, I was excited and a little anxious. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what to expect. Um, both in terms of going back to school, the, the, the material that I would be learning and then the format of being just online and, you know, not like a traditional environment where, you know, my last experience in school, I was, physically traveling to the university of Minnesota to the Carlson school of management and sitting in a classroom, uh, yeah. you know, um, but I, I was mostly excited and, and I had a sense that you know, some of the coursework might be challenging, but I think it will be easy in as much as I like, I'm really interested in, in the material and how it will inform the work that I want to do. Yeah. So experimentation is uh, in general, like another big theme that I see for people in messy middles. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any ways that you experimented throughout this time that helped you get to the place of clarity? Or maybe ways that you're still experimenting. Like I think yeah. about when we met up, you mentioned like, Shan, I'm an intern at a yeah. therapy office right now. That feels like an experiment. Yeah, no, it, and it was. And and I didn't even recognize when I, when I applied for the program that that would be a part of it. So, yeah, I started a, an internship at Relate Counseling in Minnetonka. And um, it was, it was, it was really, it was, it was cool. It was strange. It was exciting. And, you know, I remember thinking, I was like, I've, I've hired many, many interns. I've interviewed probably hundreds, but I'd never actually been an intern personally. Um, and, uh, yet like that experience from the very beginning, it it felt like, it felt like home. It felt like, um, I remember 
one of the leaders at Relate on this orientation day talking about like, you know, we here at Relate, we're cup fillers. We fill people's cups. And um, I remember hearing that. It just struck me in such a visceral way. I was, I'm a crier. <laughs> and I, I, almost, I was almost in tears of like, holy shit, I'm in the right place. Um, but, it, you know, in, in terms of experimenting, like I, that certainly was. And um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, you know, and my internship for my first year wrapped up last, last May. But um, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, but it, it was odd. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was seven years old and starting my first internship. <laughs> Which I think that uh, honestly, I think there's a point in time that my ego couldn't have tolerated that. Like, mm. like, oh no, like that, that means, you know, you don't have life figured out or you're you know, going backwards. Yeah, That's a fear that I hear people yeah. share a lot of like, you're oh, it feels like I'm going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think kind of the, the break in between like helped that of like, you know, I'm just not, I mean, you don't leave a, a corporate career and pursue being a therapist because you want to make a lot of money. And, um, you know, and, and honestly, in a way, I still don't exactly know what I'm going to make and how I'm going to make it. There's just like, I have just a trusting of like, things are going to come together. They're going to work out. Um, and, and they keep working out. Um, Mm -hmm. and the signs are obvious. It's, they're not, I don't have to search for them because they show up in some of my interactions with my classmates at Winona. They show up as I built relationships at my internship and I'm starting a new internship this fall. Like there's, there are many, many signs that, you know, I'm on the right path and, um, it'd be, and, and sometimes if I'm not paying attention, they'd be easy to miss. Yeah. You know, the other experiment that comes to mind is I know you're passionate about psychedelics. Yeah, no. Um, I am passionate about psychedelics and that, that actually was part of, part of what helped me conclude I, I, I needed and wanted to be a therapist. Um, in March of 2020, you know, right before the pandemic was hitting, I, I went on a retreat to Montego Bay, Jamaica, um, to, uh, uh, do, uh, psychedelic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms. Um, with a group of 10 other people um, guided by four U.S.-based therapists. And um, I'd, I'd heard some about how um, psychedelics were being used um, to help people who are struggling with everything from PTSD and addiction to anxiety and depression. And, um, you know, I'd used mushrooms recreationally in college, um, and it actually had some really terrible experiences on them. Mm. Um, but it was just something I, I think plant medicine and you're kind of called to do it and Mm. it just shows up and the way it does, you just, it just, it just comes together. And, um, I, I had a really intense and insightful experience, um, uh, after eating a very large dose of mushrooms, um, in that environment with, you know, four really skilled clinicians who had guided other people hundreds of times. And um, a really important part of those experiences is having good support going into them and good support coming out. Mm. 
um, coming out is what's referred to as integration. So what happened in that experience and how do you integrate it into your life? And um, uh, on this retreat, we, we, we had our mushroom ceremony on a Friday and then all day Saturday was integration work. And um, I did integration work with two of the other people that were there. Um, my friend Debbie, um, who was from Arkansas and my friend Mark who was from Northern California. And, um, as I was, they were working with me and I was working with them. I just realized I'm like, I really enjoy this process. And, um, we did some journaling exercises and then like kind of recounting what, what we wrote while doing some tapping work. And, um, you know, tapping is where, you know, like I, I was sitting across from, from Debbie and as she's talking about what she's doing, I'm slowly tapping her on each of her knees. And I don't even know how this works, but it is, it's a psychosomatic kind of experience that helps, it just helps, helps you connect with what, you know, what you're expressing, what you're feeling, um, what you're hoping for. And, um, as that retreat wrapped up, two of the therapists were like, you're really good at this. Mm. I think you'd make a good therapist. And I remember like hearing it, but also having a kind of a difficult time taking that in, Mm -hmm. Um, but also kind of knowing, like I'd been thinking about it, like, but I'd always thought like two years of school followed by two years of supervised practice. It's impossible. I can't, no, I can't do it. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, March, 2020, right as the pandemic was hitting was when I, when I knew that this was probably the path I will choose. Yeah. Let's talk about that knowing a little bit. Cause that's another thing that people will, will ask, like, mm-hmm. how do you, how did you know that yeah. that was the right next step for you throughout yeah. this journey? So the right next step to become a therapist, the right next step to go to school, the right next step to try this, this journey. Um, to me, knowing is really hard to access without quiet, without solitude. Um, probably a dozen or so years ago is when I first started to develop a meditation practice. And um, for the first, I don't know, years, I struggled with it because of kind of perfectionism. Like I'd be in the middle of meditation, like, oh, my mind watered. I'm not focused on my breath anymore. I screwed this up. I failed. And, you know, what a metaphor that is for life. And in terms of like, nothing we do is perfect. And the more we attach ourselves to perfectionism, the more we suffer. And, um, you know, as time has gone on, I've, I've developed kind of an intimacy with, with meditation. And even if I'm in, and I, and I meditate all the time and meditation isn't about like, well, this morning for 30 minutes, I sat down and meditated. Like sometimes I'm in traffic and I just take two really deep breaths or something happens. that's really upsetting or triggering to me. And I just return to my breath and to my heart and to my body and paying attention to what's happening. And without that stillness, I think for me, the knowing would be elusive, if not impossible to identify. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, just a few weeks ago, I had a kind of a distant cousin spend a couple of nights with me before we went to a family reunion in North Dakota. And uh, one night, and I don't know him very well. I was a little anxious about having this cousin in my house. But um, the first night we sat in the backyard, we enjoyed a meal. And uh, after the meal, we just had a conversation about um, our fathers 
about our families, about our experiences in life. Um, I learned that he's in recovery and um, has been sober for the last 40 years. And uh, I knew in the middle of that conversation, there was a knowing that I am in there exactly where I belong, doing exactly what my heart is here to do. And I've had many, many experiences like that that are just like so simple um, and just a, an ease about like, this is, this is amazing um, and powerful. But um, like I said, without the stillness, without the access to just quiet within my own heart and my own soul. There's too much noise in the world to be able to recognize when big things happen that are subtle. Mm, I love that. What was easier than you expected? School. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, and just the, the work of it. Um, I can remember being, you know, in the MBA program at Minnesota and procrastinating and just crushing myself and having to stay up all night. And, um, I don't procrastinate really at all. I wouldn't say at all, but very little in, in the program. I enjoy the work. I look forward to it. Um, it's, it's been, you know, and some of it is, you know, it's kind of complicated subject matter and, and there's a lot to it, but it has been easier than, than what I, I expected. Um, now the moment I say that, I'm like, well, I've still got, you know, um, almost a semester and a half left. I'll be done the end of April. But, um, so I would imagine I'm going to be challenged in the future in ways that maybe I haven't thus far, but it's been easier than I expected. Good. Good. Has anything felt harder than you expected? I think, yeah, at, at times it's, um, not judging myself for, this process, this time of like, you know, it has been three years since um, I worked in my old career. And like, you know, at times I'm like, what the hell, Sean? Like in three years, you're still not like through this and on to like working fully in the capacity of, of this new career. Um, so, and, and that's just a, a matter of just being critical of myself and, and not, you know, not, re not recognizing everything I have done um, in this last three years and all the things that I've gotten to do that I wouldn't have otherwise. Like, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't missed any sporting events because of, of work with, with my three boys. Like I, I've, I've got to be there and show up when I want to without having to negotiate what's happening at a job. Um, so there's a, there's a, a ton of, of blessings in all of that as well that, you know, when I'm not so critical of myself, that's easier to see and recognize. Yeah. I can so relate to what you shared though, because I think I carried that same shame within myself of like, but why is this taking so long? Why yeah. am I not there yet? Yeah. And some of the latest research on transition, particularly the like major kind that I would say you and I both did yeah. are doing, yes. it takes five plus years. Five to seven years is the Why average. Five years. <laughs> <laughs> but I say that more to like help us all release the shame or the like the sensation of the self-judgment of like I'm supposed to get here faster. And it's a big part of my passion by doing these interviews in the first place is to help normalize for other people like 
man, this stuff is hard and it takes time. And also the common theme that I hear in so many of these episodes is that feeling of like, but it's so good at the same time. It's so, when you were describing that experience with your cousin in the backyard, it was just like, I could feel the ease Mm -hmm. in that. It's just like this felt ease of getting to be who you truly are and use the gifts that you truly have. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Let's talk about the human side a little bit. I mean, I think we've we've talked about a lot of human things already. Sure, yeah. But sometimes um, I hear people say like, oh, I'm really frustrated to stay in the messy middle of it because I feel like I can't learn. I feel like I'm not like on my future path and I'm not like, I'm not yet doing the thing I want to do. I'm not yet the therapist, but I'm also not who I used to be. Yeah. And I'm curious for us to explore that a little bit. Like, what would you say you're learning in this time of the in-between? Yeah. I, I think, I think what I'm learning is like, it's, the learning curve is super steep. Like I'm learning a lot, um, you know, and, that, and that's not just cause like I'm in school, but it's, it's learning about oneself and like what led me to this point. And, um, you know, that in, in a way, like, I don't know, there's, there's always a, there's always a death and a rebirth process that we go through in life. Um, uh, my, my supervisor at work, her name is Becky and she's just an extraordinary individual. And she shared with me just the other day, this, like, we both love trees and are like, we love nature. And she was describing like a large old tree and that there'd be, you know, if you look at these trees, there's branches that are dead and dying. And there's other branches that are kind of, they not totally healthy and others that are completely healthy. And that, you know, there's, there's times in our lives where we, where, where death happens. And sometimes it's a death of, you know, somebody that we love and that when that happens, a part of us dies, but a part of us is also born. And, you know, so I, you know, the, the duality of life even, and, um, and that exists like even, you know, my my mom's health is, is changing and it's been really challenging and difficult. Mm -hmm. And yet, like I have a better relationship with my mom today than I've ever had. And so there's this, this duality to things. And, um, you know, the, the notion that, you know, we are evolving and that that process doesn't end. Um, and even my mom, she's 80 and she, she can articulate how she's different than when she was 70 and how, like, I don't know. So you're like, well, you know, older people are stuck in their ways and they don't grow. Well, that's, bullshit (laughs) that's that's like an excuse that we use or repeat to excuse our own or others you know lack of desire to grow and evolve and you know whether it's my old career my new career like the common thread is growing as a person Mm. and you know how that makes life better and certainly more interesting yeah how did your community or support system change throughout this time? Well, it, uh, the, the first person that comes to mind, as you might imagine, is my wife, Camaro. She has been incredibly supportive of me. And I wouldn't, there's no way that I could do this without her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our relationship has grown and evolved through this process as well as we've just I don't know. It's, it's weird how you're like married to someone and yet I'm, I continue to get to know her better and she's to know me better. Mm. Um, and part of that is, 
we're both growing and changing. And part of that is just the, the process of relationship. Um, but there's also like part of it. She's like, I, I feel like there's a bit of a bait and switch of like, you know, I married <laughs> this, this, this man who was like, you know, at his MBA and he was like, you know, on this corporate track and very driven and, and now you're not working. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's fair and it's reasonable. And, and it, what she describes is how I've changed um, and how I've decided to pursue things that are more aligned with who I am, like, who, like my authentic like self. Um, so my wife, certainly um, my friends, my family, like, and even Imagine I, your colleagues too. Like yeah. your colleagues are now therapists. Yes, yeah. They were not before. That's yeah. that's a change. Yeah. Well, and even just being very welcomed by you know experienced therapists of like, oh, this is so cool. Like that you're doing this. And Sean, you're you know you've you've been married and divorced and remarried, and you have a blended family, and you had an old career, and you know you lost a parent. Like all of these things will help you be a, a better therapist. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's, I hadn't even thought about that, Shannon, of just like being welcomed into a community of therapists, of people that are just, they're just extraordinary people who I feel honored that I get to spend time with. Um, but yeah, no, I think up until recently, I didn't fully understand what community meant and even um, our, our neighborhood in Rochester, where I spend half of my time, like we know everyone, it's this amazing community and that if somebody needs help, like it's, it's a single message to a group and I need somebody to take out. I'm, I'm going to be away from the house. I need somebody to let my dog out. And like almost always within 10 minutes, somebody will show up at my house and punch in the cold in the garage, go in and let my dog out. And it's so easy to underestimate how powerfully important that is for everybody to have people to lean on both with like the, the hard stuff in life, as well as the tactical things of life, like I need somebody to let my dog out. <laughs> like it's, it's a sense of connectedness in a neighborhood I haven't had before. And, you know, and, and part of my, the curriculum and social work is certainly understanding how one's community either enables or prevents someone from flourishing holistically. Um, health perspective, both physical, mental, emotional, all of those things. Um, so yeah, without, you know, I, I think, I guess I've always thought that I've never done anything by myself. Um, I've always, whatever I've done in life, I've done with the support of the people that know and love me and that I know and love. And I think just my awareness of what that is and what that means is just kind of deepening to some degree yeah I appreciate you speaking to that and it reminds me of my own transition you know those moments that we talked about earlier in this episode where you do doubt where you're like am I crazy for doing this Mm -hmm. and I take so much solace and thinking about all the people that I would have never met yeah. Had I never made this change or the people that I knew in past lives, like yourself, that yes. I would not get to know in this way and this yeah. new yeah. relationship had I, I and you never yeah. had the courage to make transitions and to make change. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, gosh, the, the relationships that we would miss out on. Yeah. Which is, it was really interesting. I mean, I, I, I think it was about 10 years ago, maybe not 10 years ago that you and I first met. And I know definitively you and I are both completely different people. One thousand percent. You know, we like our lives have changed dramatically. And that yeah. um I don't know. I think it's really important to just like 
recognize that because it's so easy to not know it because the change doesn't happen overnight. But if, if you look back to, you know, what happened, five, who you were five years ago or 10 years ago, like it's kind of extraordinary to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that you're still in a messy middle of sorts? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yes. And yet, um, you know, the, the middle, like the, the, there's more normalcy to it now. Mm. And yet, um, when I think about just messy middle and messy in and of itself of like, it makes me think about relationships and relationships are messy period. Mm. And, you know, they're, they're difficult to navigate. And that's a big part of what, you know, I've needed help with personally, and I'm hopeful that I can provide others help with. And that, you know, I came from a, from a household where, you know, conflict wasn't allowed and negative emotions were kind of suppressed. And um, in that environment, it's really difficult to connect deeply with other people and to allow ourselves to be human and those in our lives to be human as well. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, the messy middle might, might conclude, but the messiness is, is an innate part of life and, and an aspect of life that I've had to really learn and understand in order to accept and love myself. Um, and that that is necessary in order to fully accept and love, love other people. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I have the same sense of like, I feel like when I moved through my transition, it was the first time that I moved through mess more consciously. Mm-hmm. And now it's like almost laughable because every day can be a mess, you know, it, but it's how it's how I receive it and how I yeah. meet it. That's different yeah. than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. What do you want others to know who may be going through transition or desiring a similar change to what you made? I want others to know that there's way more possibilities and potential than they might think is possible. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, certainly all of us build ideas and constructs over the course of years or decades, and we can't disassemble them overnight. It's a process. Um, But there, there's other paths and the paths don't have to include scarcity and fear and loss um, and instead can include abundance and possibility and joy and that you know to to get connected to those positive things isn't simple but requires a lot of you know friends and family and quiet time and for some it might just it might it might require a a 10 day refuge in the woods by oneself. Like it's different for everybody. And um, I think sometimes I can get a little bit on, you know, my high horse about therapy because of how it benefited me and how that's what I'm becoming. Um, And, you know, I've, I've joked before, like everybody in our family has a therapist. Like my wife and I have a marriage therapist and I have my own and our kids have had theirs intermittently. And yet, like therapy doesn't work for all people and everyone's path is as unique as they are. And I probably need to say that out loud more frequently because, you know, it's easy, it's easy to think one's like my experience will work, you know, my path will work for someone else. And that's not true. Like everyone's, everyone's journey is unique to them. So yeah, I guess it's just, there is a path, there is a possibility. Yeah. 
And that's a great segue into the question I always love to end on because everybody's path is different. And I'm so curious about uh, what's, what's next in your path. What do you sense is most important to you now at this new stage in your life? Um, the present moment is the first thing that comes to mind is the here and now. And um, what's most important to me is the moment I'm living in. And um, by saying that too, it's an acknowledgement of how much of my life has been spent like worried or regretful or sad about the past or, you know, fearful about the future, you know, particularly as it relates to like, well, how am I going to care for myself and my family in the future? Um, so what's most important to me is, is the present moment and mm. recognizing that's all we have. Like, you know, in some ways the past and the future, just, they're almost a myth of sorts. The more we're all in the present moment, I think the more we get out of even interactions like our conversation right here, right now, yeah. interactions with our kids or our, our parents or our you know, significant others or siblings, friends. I love that. Sean, thank you so much for imparting your wisdom and sharing your energy with all of us today. Yeah. Well, thank you for the invitation. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, there you have it, folks. Now for the three things I'm personally taking away from this episode. First, stillness. I loved how Sean spoke to the clarity and peace he gets from allowing himself to be still, be it for just two breaths in a traffic jam or a 10-day refuge in the woods. I don't know about you, but I want more stillness in my life after hearing that. Second, a deeper appreciation for community. Sean spoke so kindly about the people that fueled him through his own messy middle, his wife, sons, friends, family, and even his new colleagues. Third, courage. I'm just in awe of Sean's courage to make a move this big. But you know what I think enabled his courage? The capacity he's built to be compassionate with himself. Now for a sneak peek. In our next interview, I'm sitting down with Eden. Eden's transition is more about a way of being and living shift than a career shift per se. She went from being in a place of hypervigilance and constriction, for very good reasons, I might add, to a more soft openness that's ready for connection. I can't wait to share more about her messy middle story with you. Last but not least, if you think this episode might resonate with a friend, please do share it with them. And if you like my vibe, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast, connect with me on Instagram, or learn more about my work at shanshotler.com. Until next time, go forth into your very own messy middle with courage and compassion. <laughs>